My name is Griffin Gilstrap, and I'm the high school pastor here at Harborside. I'm Stephen Law. I am the middle school youth pastor here, and I know we are not the power couple that is Kurt and Danita Parker, right. but we're excited to be able to speak to you guys this morning. Uh, we are pretty cute, though, right? You think? <laughs> Maybe suits. Uh, anyways, uh, no, we're so excited. Uh, to be able to do this today. You threw me off now. I forgot what I'm going to say. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Where am I going? Jesus. 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 <laughs> I've forgotten. Oh, yeah. We are, uh, we're the youth pastors, but the other thing I want you to, to, uh, to know is that we, we're over the age of 20. We just want you to know that, all right? We're young, but how about you stand up, greet each other, and guess how old you think we really are? Go ahead and do that. Well, if you guessed 29, raise your hand, 29, four of you, very good. Most of you are probably under that. So we are both in the season with our families that we own our first homes, which is exciting and exhausting all at the same time, right? I'm sure you've been there. Uh, so how many of you are actually fans of the show Fixer Upper? Any fans? All right. Any men your wife makes you watch that? Yeah, a few of you. Some brave souls right there. Uh, so this show is incredibly popular. You've probably heard of it. Millions of people every single week tune in to watch Fixer Upper. And what you have is these, this couple. Uh, one of them's an interior decorator, designer. The other one's a contractor. And every single week, they take families into different homes that are completely destroyed, ruined, broken down, run down, and they transform these homes. And what I love, one of my favorite parts of the show is when the family walks into the houses that they show them at first, it's as if they've shown up to a really disappointing blind date. You know what I mean? They walk in there and they're coming up with reasons why they need to leave and they see all the things that are wrong and this doesn't fit our family and, and our needs and this wallpaper's terrible and all these different things. They see the ruin, right? They see what's broken down. They see what doesn't work for them. But on the other side, you have Chip and Joanna Gaines, incredibly talented people. And they walk into these homes that just, just look destroyed and they see the potential. They can look in there and they can say, well, if we move that wall and we put this color and this paint and, and this type of furniture and we can extend this out. I mean, they start going into all these dreams and all these plans and they can see if they get to work, if they get to work on it with their hands, they can take it from ruined to restored. And I want to show you a couple of examples here of some of the, the rooms that they've done. So if this looks like your kitchen, there's no judgment here, right? Don't worry about it. Uh, but this is just obviously a, a terrible kitchen, and this is what they turned it into. Just completely transformed and modern. And this is a, a living room, just bland, and I love the wallpaper. I would keep that. Um, but this is what they do with it. I mean, just modern and fresh and bright, and you just want to be in there. And one more, another kitchen, older, and then they can do something like that. And so week after week, they transform entire homes for different families. And what we're here to, uh, to tell you today is that I don't think it's a coincidence why millions of people love that show. Because you and I love to see transformation, do we not? We love to see something go from broken to beautiful. We love to see something reach its potential. We love to see transformation from ruin to restored. And today we pick up in our series, Undivided, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
And Paul continues his writing to the church in Corinth, these believers who are struggling. They're being oppressed and they feel run down. They feel broken down and they feel like the world is bringing them into a place of ruin. But Paul is here to tell them, you have hope. Because if you let some things happen, if you let some work be done in your life, you can go from ruined to restore. And so our question uh, for us today is when it comes to us, when it comes to our lives, how can you and I go from ruined to restored? See, so often we view ourselves in the same way as some of those potential homeowners. They walk in scared and just seeing a mess, and we really look at ourselves as a mess. And we think, well, I've just had a bad day. Things aren't going well. And we just get a little bit discouraged. But good thing is, you've already had progress. You're here this morning. You're still standing. It's kind of like what Paul picks up and says in verse 7. It says, sorry, verse 8. It says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. He's saying that sometimes we feel a little bit beat up, and he's writing this to the church in Corinth, which means Christian or not, sometimes we just feel like our day is not going according to plan. Maybe for you, it's that you had a bad performance review, and you just don't know how to tell your boss that you want to improve, or you missed a deadline, and you don't know how to fix it. Or you went to the doctors, and they gave you bad test results, and you just feel discouraged. But no matter what it is, we've all been there. So really quick, just turn to somebody next to you and say, I've been there. (laughs) We all have. Well, as Griffin mentioned, my wife and I are in our first home that we own. And when we bought the home, my wife had some standards for it. She wanted us to clean it from top to bottom. And she meant it literally. She had me go in the attic and start cleaning out the attic. And I actually found this old dusty mirror which we cleaned and restored, and now it's something beautiful. But the thing about a mirror is it does more than just reflect our physical appearance. See, a mirror can reflect how we feel about ourselves. We look in the mirror, and sometimes we just feel a little bit discouraged, or we just get a little disappointed. And we think, well, how am I supposed to do something with this mess? How can I make this work? And that's where Paul picks up in verse 7. He says, now I'll go back one for me. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This treasure he's talking about is not a treasure that we earned or worked hard to achieve, but it's a treasure that was given to us. And it's that treasure that says that there's more to us than what we see in the mirror. It's saying that there's something behind the walls of our mess, you can say. And that's where we have to stop and think, well, what is this treasure? What treasure do we have inside of us? And Paul continues in verse 10. He says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may always be revealed in our body. See, the the treasure that is inside of us is something that was from Jesus. And he can relate to feeling like a mess because thinking about his death, And how he was bloody and bruised and broken. And it was not a pretty picture. But it was that death that brought forth glorious life inside of us. That showed that there's something more inside of us. It's very similar to the illustration that Paul uses when he says we have a jar of clay. And see, this jar of clay that we have is really 
not meant to be some ornate, fancy, pretty piece of furniture, but instead it's something practical. See, back in those times, a jar of clay looked similar to this. They would put their valuables inside the jars to keep them safe. That's where they would put their treasures, and as you can tell, it probably would be hard to get it back out. It's very similar to what happens when we give our children a piggy bank. And we say, this is where you're going to put your treasure. You're going to put your dimes, your nickels, your quarters. Every once in a while, they get excited. They get a dollar bill to stuff inside of this thing. And I remember the day, like, when I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm just watching TV, mind my own business, and I hear it. Way off in the distance, I hear the ice cream truck. And I jump up. I'm excited. I run to my bedroom. I get my piggy bank, and I'm struggling, trying to figure out how to open the bottom, which is almost impossible. And once you get it open, you shake it, try to get the coins, and how on earth do you get the dollar bills out? And I realize there's only one way to let the treasure be revealed. Sometimes for treasure to be revealed, something needs to be broken. In verse 11, Paul tells us what needs to be broken. He talks about how for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. In other words, sometimes God's light shines best through our brokenness. And maybe you're at the point in your life that you feel like you're not qualified to let God use you. And you think you don't have what it takes and you've just been through too much. Well, that's why I don't want you to miss this next point. And if you have your app open, you're taking notes. It says, our past doesn't disqualify us from God's love. It proves God's love. The fact that you have a past and all these mistakes doesn't say that God doesn't love you. It says God wants to work through that and work in you so that his love can be revealed. It's exciting because I think back into the Old Testament. And really, in the Old Testament, Israel was at this point where they were in a mess. And the nation of Israel got tired of doing things God's way. And they said, we don't want judges. We want a king. So God gave them a king. And they didn't like it. They said, hey, this is worse. Our life is horrible. Fix it. And God said, well, I have a plan. So he sends the prophet Samuel to go out to Bethlehem and find Jesse and his family. And he goes to Jesse and his family to anoint the next king who God was going to choose. And this is where we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. He's convinced. Here's this tall, handsome guy who's strong. He fits the picture of a king. But God says, that's, that's not the case. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his, his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at, but people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, this verse gives hope for, well, short people like myself, because I don't have to fit the mold of the world. The world gives us these standards, and if we don't fit the standards that the world gives us, if we're not tall enough, handsome enough, we don't sound good enough, then you can't be popular, you can't be used, you're just not enough. But God says that there is more to us than what the world says. And it's very similar to looking at a mirror. See, we look at a mirror, and we see ourselves, and we think, well, I don't have the money to be able to provide for my family. And I don't really have what it takes to protect them because I just feel like I'm not strong enough. 
Or maybe we lost our job or didn't get the promotion that we wanted. And it seems like we don't have what it takes because we're just a failure. Maybe our marriage just feels like it's struggling and we feel like we're about to be divorced. We just feel useless because we don't know what we can do to be used by God. And then we go to the doctors and doctors label us with so many different ailments and disease. And they say, well, this is going to shorten your life. And because of this, you can't do fill in the blank. And we surround ourselves with all these labels, and they cloud us from seeing who God says that we're supposed to be. See, God tells us, and he's screaming to us, saying, don't forget who you really are. You are a child of God. You're loved. You're treasured because of what's inside of you. See, God's telling us that it's not about what the world says and who the world says that we are. But it's that God can work and speak through you. So the question that I want to end with for my part is that really following verse 4, or sorry, verse 12. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Will you let God work in you? Will you let him begin a work in you? And maybe you feel like you don't have what it takes, but I want to remind you that God is in the restoration business. And he's at work in you. You know, I love how Paul just gets right to it in verse 8, and he, he connects the dots with how we feel sometimes. The, the outward things, life is coming at us, it's bearing down on us, and sometimes we feel like that mirror. Uh, and yesterday, I was in the bathroom with my oldest daughter, she's four years old, Harper, and we're brushing our teeth, teeth together, and she's telling me how to brush my teeth, which is hilarious. Uh, but we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, she stops, and then she giggles, and she says, she goes, <laughs> I love myself, when she looked at herself in the mirror. And so th- then we talked for five minutes about pride, but that's a whole other deal. Um, <laughs> but she just caught a glimpse of herself in the mirror and immediately said that. And I thought to myself, when's the last time I felt that way? As we get older, it just seems like uh, when we look in the mirror, when we think about our lives, when we think about our past or our problems or our pain or whatever it is, we don't see ourselves like that anymore. It complicates things. And oftentimes we dwell in the place of ruin. And so Paul's trying to encourage uh, these people to not live there, to not live by the mirror and thinking those things because God wants to do something in us. And so where do we move on from that? Paul takes us into kind of the hope that we can have as we find ourselves in the midst of maybe feeling the ruin. Here's what he says. It is written, I believed, verse 13, therefore, I have spoken, and since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. And so he goes into uh, quoting a psalm, Psalm 116, verse 10. And in that psalm, the author is choosing to praise God even though he's coming out of a situation where he almost lost his life. So the hardest moment of that author's life. But he makes a decision coming out of that time to praise God. To put his faith in God, regardless of the outside circumstances, he proclaims where he puts his faith. And that's why we believe that faith is the bridge between ruin and restoration in your life and in my life. It's the reason we come here every Sunday to worship, isn't it? 
Regardless of what your week looked like and where your marriage stands and what's going on at work or you got laid off or your family or your parenting or your kids or hopelessness, whatever it may be, we still get to come into this place together as a family to worship our God. Regardless of what's going on, we get to proclaim that we believe in a God who is at work within us. And that's the process that he's taking us through. It starts with faith to go from ruin to restoration. The question is, where do you put your faith? Are you proclaiming faith in God to take you through that process? And he continues by telling the church, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. So he says there's even something more that God is doing in our situations. All of this is for your benefit. And you think about that. Paul's saying, even in the midst of your ruin in your life, there's a benefit. There's something going on that God is doing, even if you feel like you're in a place of ruin. He says, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow. And look at this, to the glory of God. See, this, this is the power of God, church, is that even in your hardest moments, God can be glorified through your life. You proclaim your faith in him, that he's working in you and that he is involved in your life. He will ultimately be glorified in your life. And so God is always working in us through Christ so he can be glorified through us. And see, some of us may not believe that, that we're so far gone and useless and a failure and we're never going to get over our past and people keep weighing us down and we can't move forward. But God is saying, if you allow me to be involved in the place where you feel ruined, I will be glorified through you. And so you may be asking the question, well, that's great. Uh, We put our faith in God and we worship him and then God's going to be glorified through us. Maybe the question you're asking is how? How do we get there? How do we get from ruin to restoration in our life. And thankfully, these last three verses, Paul kind of enters us into what that looks like. And he tells us how we complete that work in our lives. Here's what he says. Therefore, we do not lose heart. How many of us in the room feel like we're losing heart in a place in our life? How many of us need a little bit of hope in a place in our life today as we walk out of those doors? And he's taking us there. It says, though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed Day by day, and I love this, because I want you to see how consistent God is in your life and in my life. See, the world is always happening, right? There's always things coming in and out of our lives trying to take us to a place of ruin. But what Paul is encouraging his readers with is that the God you place your faith in is not leaving you in your place of ruin. He is daily renewing and restoring you regardless of what is happening outside of you. He is working inside of you. So if you're in the room today and you feel alone in the place of your ruin, please know that we have a God that is working day by day in your life. And he wants to keep on working. He wants to complete that work. And he continues, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And this is the clincher. Verse 18, this is the how. How do we go from ruin to restored? He answers that. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, 
but on what is unseen. And since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so here's, here's the whole thing Paul's trying to say. You may feel like you're in a place of ruin. And how do you get from ruin to restored? It always comes back to where you put your focus. It's where you put your focus. And he's saying restoration starts with your faith, but it finishes because of your focus. And now let's just be honest with ourselves. How often do you and I focus on what we see and feel from the mirror? We, how much power do you and I give to our past and our pain and our problems and the people in our lives? And we live there and we dwell there and we disqualify ourselves from moving forward to reach the potential that God has for us because we just can't stop focusing on what is ruining us. It's so easy to do because we feel it, because it's outside of us. We see it and we see things crumbling But Paul says, there's something at work, church, inside of you. And if you choose to switch your focus onto that, your life will go from ruined to restored. So what what exactly is he saying that we focus on? Well, he points all the way back to verse 7 that Stephen told us about. But we have this treasure that lives inside of us. In jars of clay, we are the jars of clay because we can be easily broken on the outside. But it's what's inside that is most important to show that this all-surpassing power, you can highlight or underline that in your Bible or on your app, it's from God and it's not from us. You see, sometimes we feel like our past is an all-surpassing power in our life. Sometimes we feel like people are an all-surpassing power in our lives, our pain, our brokenness, what happened years ago, our problems. But what Paul is saying, church, is that there's something in you that is the only all-surpassing power in your life and in my life. And you, if you allow God to go to work inside of you, he will overcome what is happening to you. Because greater is he that lives in you than he who lives in the world. And that's the power that Paul says, where's your focus? Are you focusing on what ruins you? Or do you put your faith in the power of God that is working in you to be restored? It reminds me of a a homeowner story. I told a story about four months ago, last time I preached about God leading my family to the, the home that we now live in, our first house, and it was a big God story, and it was amazing, but I already have a problem, all right? And three months in, I'm sitting in the living room, and I'm looking, uh, my kids are playing, and I see on the corner of the wall, it starts bubbling right above the baseboard. We have water damage. And we bring the contractor in, and they look under our master shower, and they realize that from day one, living in this house, it's been leaking water every time we shower under uh, the shower, and it's gone all the way to the living room wall. Yay, houses. (laughs) Right? And so we're going through this. We're worried about mold. We have three little girls, and we bring the contractor out. They cut up the wall. They find mold in the living room wall, and they cut open the wall in the master shower, the bathroom, and it's a complete mess. And they come to us, and they say, it's going to be some reconstruction, and we have to tear down completely your master shower and put a new one in. It was just a complete mess. 
And so the only thing I was excited for was demo day, right guys? I mean, I'm just ready. Get the sledgehammers, give me some gloves. And the contractor comes in. I didn't take part, uh, but I pulled my whole family into the living room and I'm like, we're going to listen. This is going to be cool. And so the contractor goes in to the place that's completely ruined, our whole shower, all the way to the ceiling. And you just hear it, just takes the sledgehammer, bang, bang, and it just crashes to the floor, bang, and the tile crashes to the floor. And he watched him, and he put it all in a trash bag, and he takes the things that were ruined, and he walks out, and he throws them in the trash, never to be seen again. And he brought me in when he was finished, and I looked at it, the bare bones, the wood, and we see the plumbing and a couple other issues that were behind the walls, and he fixed them, and, and then he just went to work. For two weeks, meticulously making this shower that my wife got to pick, so she was happy, so I was happy, putting it all up and making it something more beautiful than it was before. And what I realized in that moment is that sometimes we have to allow someone to come into us to take down what has ruined us so that he can rebuild it into something more beautiful. And I just want to tell you this morning, God wants to be that for you. He wants to come into your life and the places you think are ruining you. He wants to be the all-surpassing power that removes that ruin and rebuilds you into something incredibly beautiful because he sees the potential in you. And the question is, where is our focus? Do we allow that God to go to work in and through our lives? That's the focus. You know, as, as pastors, with students and, and at Harborside, staff members, we're so blessed to be able to, to work here. And we have a focus when it comes to our students and to our ministries. And our focus is to see the potential God has for all the, the people in our lives and our ministries uh, reach its potential. And so we think about middle school students. We've, we've altered our programming with the high school students so that Our entire team, there's four of us, we have two godly women that work beside of us. Not only is Stephen going to be ministering to our middle schoolers every Sunday, but all four of us are going to be upstairs in that room pouring in the love of Jesus Christ every week to our middle school students. And we could not be more excited to see what God's going to do in their lives. Our high school students, we've shifted our programming to allow them to be in this room every Sunday worshiping alongside of you praising and proclaiming the name of God with their church family. We've also encouraged them to contribute, to not just be consumers that sit in the chairs, but to use their gifts and their time and their skills to see how God can use them and what skills they have to offer. And so we've also opened up our weekdays for our students. Just like the adults, we have connect groups all throughout the week. We have connect groups all over the county where students can get plugged in. We have over 30 adult leaders that are praying for and ready to build relationships with our high school students so that God can do a mighty work in their lives for the foreseeable future. And on top of that, we're so excited about what we call the collective. Every single month on a Sunday night, we're going to have middle school, high school, and young adults come into this room once a month. And it's going to be the best worship experience they have ever seen. And we're going to see hundreds and then thousands of people that God's going to bring here that he's going to do a mighty work in. It's exciting because we're part of a church family that understands the value in the next generation. And it doesn't stop there. 
It's the vision that we have towards families as well, which is what's so exciting about seeing the vision of a wedding chapel here at Harborside come to life. And that next Saturday, Griffin actually has the honor of officiating the very first wedding at the wedding chapel. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be great because we are preparing these families before they're even a family to avoid the ruin in their lives, to be prepared for what's to come. And then as they continue to grow and they decide that they want to start their own family and become parents, then they have a chance to know that there's a church family that wants to support them. And we're doing that by hosting a parent conference on August 24th. We're bringing Jim Burns in to be able to speak about how to have a media-safe home. When you look at the temptation that is surrounding our children and the families that we have with all technology— it's scary. And we think, how can we prevent the trouble and the ruin from their lives? Well, that's what we want to equip you with. And we hope that you register out at the corner display. You can do that after service to come be a part of that event. But really, from infant to adult, it's the idea that Harborside wants to bring God's glory out through you to avoid the ruin before it ever happens. And really, it comes down to a shift in our focus. It's saying, instead of staring in the mirror, And seeing trouble, it's saying, I want to see God at work in me. It's seeing, instead of labels, it's seeing God. Instead of seeing our past troubles, we see God's potential. And at that point, we decide that we want to let God work in us so that he can be glorified through us. And we want that to happen. But so often we look at our past and we let our past divide us from the potential that God has for us. And there's a woman that I know who seven years ago felt like her life was in ruins, felt like everything was falling apart. She didn't know how to fix it. She was in the wrong crowd doing the wrong things, and she didn't want to be there. She wanted to do right, but the guilt and the shame just added up, and she didn't know how to escape. And it got to the point that she almost lost her family when God started to show up in ways that she didn't expect. It wasn't always easy. Sometimes it hurt a little bit. But in those moments, God was able to bring forth light, led her to where she met her husband. And after a few years went by, she ended up meeting a family from here, from Harborside, that said, you need to see my church family. You need to understand how great they will love you and work beside you. And then after being a part of a connect group, she decided, well, what can I do next? How else can I be involved at Harborside? So they said, well, serving. Come serve. Be a part of God's great work that is happening here. And that's where she kind of stepped back. And she was concerned. But what about me? What about my past and the the shame and the issues that I've been through? How can God use me? And with the encouragement and belief and trust in God, she decided that she was going to commit. She decided for the last two years to serve consistently in our ministries, to be able to be a part of what God is doing here at Harborside. She said it wasn't going to be about the ruin in my past, but it was going to be God bringing restoration. And that's what I want us all to understand. God wants to bring us from ruin to restored. And maybe you feel like you don't have what it's taken. You, you feel like you're in the same place as she was seven years ago. We want to remind you that God wants to bring you from ruin to restored. And what would it look like if instead of focusing on our past and the labels, we focused on who God says that we are, that we are loved, that we are treasured? So I'm going to ask all of you to just stand with me. 
and stand and boldly declare that God is going to start a work in you. It may not always be easy, and maybe you're in the room right now, and you think you don't have what it takes. You're not qualified to be used by God, and you think that your past sets up this barrier that keeps you from doing something incredible. I'm here to tell you this morning that God loves you no matter who you are, what you've done, what you've been through, and he wants to start a work in you. So as our prayer partners come forward, I want you to think about this last question and really take it to heart. Will you allow God to start a work in you so he can be glorified through you? Let's pray. God, we are just so thankful for your word and that you speak life into us and that you've given us a gift that we don't always see, but we know it's inside of us. And it's the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, that when he died on the cross, it erased our past and gave us a hope for a future. God, we're thankful that you don't look at the messes in our life and say that that disqualifies us from your love, but instead you love us in spite of our messes and you love us and work through us no matter what. So I pray that you will do a work in every one of our lives, in our families, in this community, that you will do great things through this family. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have questions, feel free to come forward. You can pray with our prayer partners. Thank you guys so much for joining us this morning.